Hello everybody, welcome to today's episode of Beyond Trans. My name is Andre and I'll be your host today. As you know, our intention here on the Beyond Trans podcast is to uplift the transgender community and uplift humanity itself. So that's our intention. Thank you for listening. Know that as a listener, you are actively participating in assisting, so it's wonderful. Also, if you have any comments or questions, please email us, beyondtrans at gmail.com, without the E. So it's B-Y-O-N-D-T-R-A-N-S at gmail.com. Welcome to Beyond Trans. So on this episode today, we're, we're going to be talking about taboo topics. So it's taboo topics, and um, I've brought a very special guest Um, His name is Buns, and I actually met him several months ago, and um, we're in a support group together. And um, he's actually moving away. Tell us your pronouns. Oh, um, he, him, or they, them, doesn't matter. I'm pretty, like, I don't really care about pronouns as much as some people do. Okay, (laughs) that's great. Um, so, so Buns is moving and, um, moving from the area and it's funny, I was driving past, uh, going to an appointment this morning and I was driving past a graveyard and I saw this, um, this windmill on a gravestone, you know, one of those wind things that moves in the wind and, yeah, pinwheel, thank you. And I, I thought just how transient life is, you know. It's like this thing is moving and it's on top of a, a gravestone. And um, I, just, I just, what I haven't shared with Buns that I'm going to share with you now, Buns, mm-hmm. is that just how, how, like, amazing you are to me. And I really mean that from my heart. And that when I saw that, I thought of you because you're one of those people, you know, we all have people in our lives that come in they're fierce and then they go, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, um, it's like, you know, they're not going to stick around. And so you just really cherish them for a while, as long as they're here. And Buns is one of those people for me that, you know, so when you have people like that in your life, listeners, I just really encourage you to let them know, um, because life is always moving. So here we go. So you're cherished and you will, you will be missed. Thank you. And of course I'll, miss everyone here and I know that I'm a very like like definition of an air sign very like (laughs) relaxed and easy like you know very like I just move on with whatever's going on but you know even though I am leaving the area that doesn't necessarily mean that you all are leaving my heart or my memories you know I'm still gonna stay in contact with everyone be here you still have my number to send me flower pictures too that's right. <laughs> so just know that if you think of me, I'm probably thinking of you too or whatever. So, okay. <laughs> so taboo topics. So here we go. Now, listeners, just so you know, the reason I picked Buns for this episode is he he really is that. Like, he has no problem delving into taboo topics. I am a taboo topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He has no problem going there. And, and not only that, but he makes you feel safe and it can be fun and easy and all that. So we're going to talk about like all those awkward things that and air them out. Let's air them the heck out. So um, I think we ought to begin with um, like 
actually, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your life story. How did you come out? You know, um, what's important to you in life? Let's just begin there. Um, I'll take this from you. Thank you. Um, well, I feel like I don't have a very... I feel like I have a very unusual coming out story with... In regards of, like, the whole, like, being transgender and queer and whatnot. Because I didn't have the, oh, I've known since I was born story. You know, like, when I was very young, my dad kept my hair short and I dressed like a guy. And my birth name and still my first name is a gender neutral name and like being registered in school and whatnot I would always you know be quote-unquote misgendered by staff they would always call me a boy they'd always call me by he him because my name even though it is gender neutral it's more on the masculine side and it would always upset my mom but it never upset me and so I feel that from a young age, I had that sort of impact on me from a social point of view. But then as I got older, I still never had an interest in anything that was overtly feminine. But I never also had anything, any interest in anything that was overtly masculine. I was always more on the androgynous side with anything I've ever been interested in if you want to get into like a societal viewpoint of what's feminine and masculine. Like masculine side I was never into like cars or mechanics or anything like that not to say that women can't be into that but that's generally stuff that is you know more coded as masculine but then I was also never into more feminine stuff like makeup and um like stuff I got makeup's the only thing I can think of right now fashion you know stuff like that but if you want to really link like gender to interest I never really was there I was more like I did art but I also did sports and I liked you know, rock and roll, but then I liked pop music, so I was always just very doing whatever I wanted to do, no matter what. And so, when I... Who are some of your greatest music influences? <laughs> music influences? Um, like, who inspires you to be you? Um, name, name a couple bands, or I mean, artists. personally, my two favorite artists are Beyonce and Frank Ocean, okay. but I listen to a plethora of music, you know, jumping from like Boston to Ghost to classical arrangements to I, I listen to like a lot of like Russian pop music um, and then I don't necessarily I don't listen to like K-pop or J-pop or anything like that but I have a lot of friends who do so in return I listen to that my mom's from France so I listen to a lot of French music um, and I, I just don't really have like one genre of music that I really stick to quite often um, but I do always find myself going outside of my comfort zone and then always just kind of coming back to my comfort zone, which is really more based in, like, um, rap and hip-hop and blues. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just because of the people I grew up around and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily say any any big musician has influenced who I am as a person. I all, have always been very individualistic I've always just kind of done my own thing and celebrities and actors and actresses and artists and people like that have never really had like a huge influence on my everything um if I guess if I were to pick out one person it would probably be Gerard Way who is the singer of My Chemical Romance because he is very like flamboyant he's very like feminine he's very like dramatic he likes to make a big show out of things and 
I like to do that too. So, okay. like, like you said, I like to be fierce, but not in the like gay term. Like, yes, fierce, honey, but just more like I'm in your face. Like, you will know who I am by yeah. the end of the day. Right. And, um, but yeah. So I don't feel like I have a very typical like coming out story. You know, I I never question like I never really questioned anything I just kind of did what I wanted to do and when did you know like okay wow like there like there when did you get present to the language for what you felt yourself to be um it was honestly meeting Jamie was Who's Jamie in your life um Jamie is a person that I met on accident actually and, um... We all know how that is. Accident, quote-unquote. <laughs> but... Divine intervention. Go on. Yeah, divine intervention. <laughs> but, um, so, he is a... He's a, um... Tran- he's a trans man, and he's very active in, like, the Orlando community scene for, like, transgender men. And he's very active online, too. A lot of people know him through his, like, cosplays and through his, like, leatherworking and through um, his activism through Twitter and whatnot. Um, And I met him through a mutual friend who adored him on the internet. And he ended up actually living, like, 20 minutes away from me. And he put out an all-call online for this, like, volunteer group. And my friend really wanted to be a part of it because he... Or they, they adored Jamie, so they wanted to go meet him. And I was like, okay, I'll give you a ride. I have no idea who this person is, whatever. I went over, and Jamie <laughs> Jamie and Jamie's partner ended up really loving me. Oh, wow. So they invited me into the group. Mm. And I was kind of like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I guess I'll show up because there's free food. And I was a broke college kid. So sure. started showing up, and now Jamie's, like, one of the most important people in my life, along with his partner, of course. Beautiful. Um, along with his partner, Crow, who... Whom I also adore, but Jamie was a person, and so was Crow. Crow was a huge influence on me understanding who I was in terms of like the gender binary and the non-binary aspects of gender. Because Crow is non-binary, and then Jamie is a pretty binary, like transmasculine person. Mm-hmm. And although I identified a lot with how Jamie felt in certain aspects, I didn't always identify with him. But Crow was really there to kind of help me through the more non-binary aspects of. Mm-hmm. how I felt and understanding like where I could and did fall mm-hmm. in aspects of like that. Let me ask you something as far as the um what is what if there's anything is there that's taboo in the trans community, non-binary community in the transmasculine, transfeminine um relationships and that sort of thing. Is there anything taboo like that's really sticky and uncomfortable to talk about amongst ourselves? Um that we can really break up. I mean, for me personally a lot of like the pattern that I've seen is a lot of like transmasculine people don't know transfeminine people or a lot of transfeminine people don't know transmasculine people. And I have like seen a lot of like um oh sorry I have seen a lot of like um (sighs) separation between the two communities and in terms of like they kind of seem to want to fight each other sometimes on like who's more oppressed and Mm. I personally don't understand that because I I guess it's just more of I I mean you know me I know a gajillion people so I I but like, like I was telling you earlier, 
I had not met other trans masculine people besides Jamie before this, before our support group, which started back in what, February? Mm -hmm. And, but that was just due to my own like isolation of not wanting to meet new people. But everybody, not everybody, but most of the people who were within my friend group were trans feminine or were women and trans women. So I met a lot of like trans feminine people and I've met a lot of like trans women, but then when it comes down to trans masculine, I feel sometimes I don't meet a lot of like trans masculine people, but through with taboo topics, like what you were asking earlier, I, I really feel like a lot of more taboo topics obviously revolve around, not obviously, but mm -hmm. they revolve around sex and like anything that has to do with sex, whether it's masturbation or it's like monogamous partner sex or it's, you know, polyamorous or anything like that, like sex and relation, I really feel is like more of a taboo topic. Yeah, that's great. Um, Buns was sharing with us earlier that um, his mother was born and raised in France. So, you know, there's a there's more freedom there in his lineage to share and discuss and talk about, like, sex. Like, it's okay, you know? It's not this thing that you hide under the table. And I think that, especially in the queer, trans, non-binary communities, um, it can be more hidden um, because of the social climate. Um, and then I think as a result of that, there's more disease. Yeah, for sure. More I mean, sexually transmitted diseases. Um, yeah, because people aren't educated even about the basis of sex, so they're not even, like, it's not even to do with pregnancy as much as it is disease, like, starting to come back because people aren't taught about, you know, condoms because it's more of abstinence teaching rather than let's act, like, in through abstinence and fear, like, fear-mongering rather than mm -hmm. teaching, like, the health aspects of... STDs because even when I did nursing classes in high school, um, the as soon as we got onto the topic of sex or like birth or anything like that, my teacher who was devoutly Catholic, super religious as a nurse, which was wild. Um, she's from Texas or something. I don't remember, but um, she would ju literally just skipped over the chapter. She was like, "You guys don't need to learn this because abstinence is the way to go. Don't have sex until you're married." Mm -hmm. But that always weirded me out because a my parents have always been very open about things they've always been very like if you want to learn about something just either ask us or you can ask the internet literally like but you know look at credible sources yes um whereas even when i was in a school setting i was taught like abstinence 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 only which was very weird because i went to a, a, you know i grew up here which is pretty like you know, we have a fairly large, like, queer community. We have a fairly large... I mean, we're in a big city, you know? It's not, like... We're not in the middle of, like, Bodunk, like, Midwest or anything like that. <laughs> um, well, some of us are. Well, yeah, some of us are. <laughs> That's where I'm going. <laughs> Except not really, but I'm going out near there. You know, uh, James Baldwin, the artist, said a great thing about that, though, and I just really want to point to that, is that he said something like, and I'm paraphrasing... He said, do you think that really the things and actions that happen in Mississippi where there's a great amount of oppression, those, that same, that same, I'll say, uh, social climate or that same consciousness 
He said, do you really think it doesn't happen in Los Angeles or where movies are made? He said, no, it, it does happen. It just happens to be more under the table. Mm-hmm. It can't be any different. It's like we're all responsible for each other. And Oh, yeah, because even here, you know, like bringing up L.A., it's like, you know, we're in a pretty more populated city, and I still went through the entire, like, abstinence thing only which you kind of only hear about as a myth from the middle of nowhere United States but we grew up in a or I grew up in a large city I went to high school in a large city my high school had 4,000 people in it like it was larger than a town like and or larger than a village and I was still just and then on the flip side when I did take a health class like outside of that nursing with that weird teacher um like I was yeah. saying, it was fear mongering where they right. showed us really graphic pictures of people who had like not gone to the doctor and had not reported their STDs and stuff like that. So it got to a point where it was just basically uncurable. And it was like, if you have sex, this is what happens. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I don't think that's what happens, but okay. <laughs> that's great. So let's, let's, um, for our listeners sake, let's consider like somebody knows they're trans. They are very sexually active and they want to learn more about safe practices um, and they want to take care of themselves that way, you know, self-care. And so what are some resources or what are some suggestions that we can give them that, well, one thing that comes to mind is, you know, learning to be assertive, like to say, hey, you know, to have the courage to simply go to someone that you know is safe and say, hey, you know, I want to learn more about this or, you know, to be willing to be vulnerable and um, ask questions. I think that's very key. Uh, what else do you feel is essential for um, destigmatizing taboo topics in the trans community? Um, well, just honest, having an open, honest conversation with people who are around you because I learned a lot about um, you know, PrEP and PEP and HIV and things like that from a lot of trans women that I was friends with because as a trans masculine person, I really feel like those things are overlooked for the trans masculine community and they're very like honed in on the trans feminine community. So I learned way more about HIV and the history of HIV AIDS from trans feminine people than I ever learned from anything else. And that obviously it's not like it's not really a party topic, you know, you don't want to go into a party and just be like, hey, hold my beer, let's talk about AIDS, like, right. you know, like, that's not really something you want to do, but sometimes it's just having open, honest conversations with people, even about yes. your emotions, and yes. say, mentioning, like, hey, these are things that I don't really know, do you know anything about this, or something, like, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I had to do, yeah. and that's why I brought it up within our group, where when we were talking about merging the two like support groups of trans masculine and trans feminine people when I mentioned like we should learn more about each other's medical transitions and then also emotional difficulties that we face mm, because that was something that I feel like a lot of specifically for me because I'm tra- because I'm a trans guy I've met a lot of trans feminine people who don't know anything about trans masculine people they don't know anything about the medical transition they don't understand anything about what I have gone through specifically on not only a an emotional level but also on a physical level like they have no idea what testosterone does to your body if you 
are not, like, assigned male at birth. So it's very, like, I, that's where I was bringing up where I was, like, sometimes you just have to talk to people. You just have to ask them. Obviously, no invasive questions if they're not comfortable with it. But for the most right. part, I found that most people want to talk about this. It's right. just nobody ever approaches them about it. So right. they just kind of keep it to themselves or keep it to their blogs or keep it to Twitter, wherever they want that. Because it's a hard conversation to have in person. It's hard to look someone in the eye and say, let's have, let's have a conversation about this thing that yeah. we're taught from a very young age to not talk about. That's right. And that's what we're here to say on this podcast today, Buns and I, is that it's not easy, but it's essential for health and for mental health and for well-being. And, and you're worth it. And so to have the courage to go there with someone that you trust. They may not have the answers, but it, something will open for you. You know, They may know somebody, that sort of thing. Um, so, Buns, I'd like to ask you some candid questions, may I? Do yeah. I have permission? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, if I'm not comfortable with anything, I'll just let you know. I'll be like, let's go to the next question. Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> and, you know, what's comfortable for you might, might be uncomfortable for me and mm-hmm. vice versa. So let's just... Exactly. Um, <clears throat> I know the... Well, for me, the topic of masturbation, you know, stimulating our core is, is a way of saying it, or masturbation. Um... How has that shifted for you in in your shift in becoming who you are today? How is that for you? Is there anything taboo in there that's uncomfortable for you to talk about that you think is worth airing out? Um, not really, because ever since I was pretty young, my, like, specifically my dad more so than my mom, but my dad's been pretty open about this thing, about masturbation, about this developing or happening from puberty but I think okay I just have to pause there and just okay how beautiful is that like imagine a future where it's healthy and the parents talk about it and it's just like this open aired conversation how healthy okay go ahead um but yeah like like I was saying I think more of the issue that I had was before before going out to testosterone I never masturbated didn't feel the need to didn't have a desire to. I had sex with some of the boyfriends that I had, but I wasn't ever super into it. Like, it wasn't something that I went out and actively, like, sought after, like, many of the girls I knew. And I, I refer to myself as a girl pre, te- pre, like, transitioning because that's what I'm comfortable doing. I know a lot of transmasculine people aren't, but for me personally, I'm comfortable saying that. Um, but, like, you know, before transitioning, I was just, that was just not something that, I was never interested in. Other girls were interested in it. I wasn't. It was always a weird topic for me to talk about where girls would hang out with me and they'd be like, oh, who are you interested in? Who's the next boy you have? And I would never really have an answer and I would just kind of dodge the question. And so for a really long time, people thought I was a lesbian Mm -hmm. growing up because I would never talk about it with guys. But I would also never talk about it about women or girls either because that wasn't what I was interested in or who I was interested in. Like... I had a very emotional relationship with my best friend in high school, and we were very, very close, um, basically like siblings. And people always thought that him and I were together because we had such a odd, deeply emotionally connected relationship. But we, it was never sexual. It was never physical. Um, and it was never, like, it was never something that we pursued romantically because neither one of us were romantically interested in each other. It was just more of we were basically platonic soulmates. And I feel like, for me, prior to transitioning, masturbation was never a thing that 
I would have even considered or looked at because I just didn't feel the need to do it. And then post-transitioning, I was like, oh, okay, I understand what people mean when they say you're horny like a 12-year-old boy <laughs> because that's where I was. I was dying. <laughs> and then it's just more of like now it's just basically something that I just do because it's like, well, I got to get on with my day. Like, let me just go and finish and then leave. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I feel like that is a very much more of, like, a taboo topic rather than talking about sex with someone else. It's just right. more of, like, pleasuring yourself. Yes. And I'm like... Yes, I agree. And so I just wanted to touch base on that topic first because I agree. It really is, like, a taboo topic. Some people might consider it selfish or... You know, whatever. Which I, which I always find, like, really weird because I'm like, if you know how to please yourself, then why don't you just do it? Like, yeah. self-care. Right. Like, <laughs> self-care is a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so... <clears throat> so, safe sex. What is taboo or uncomfortable for you in your relationship? You are in a monogamous relationship? Is that so? Um, I'm not. Okay. I am in a polyamorous relationship, but it's... Not, I don't actively seek out other people, um, because I'm just tired. Like, I'm just, like, emotionally and just not sexually interested. Okay. Well, (laughs) I I think it's great that you allow that for, you know, it's some people it works, some people it's not for them. You have to feel that out for yourself, listeners. Um, what are, what is taboo in the world of sex for you? Like, what were, what was, like, not too long ago in the world of sex, sexually transmitted diseases, where you know it wasn't okay to talk about or or even acknowledge whereas today now it's like you've broken down that for yourself and it's okay now well I really think that the biggest thing that because like I mentioned earlier my parents were very open about sex and they were open about things but the one thing that they were never very open about was HIV and AIDS because they just didn't they lived through it not as queer people and not as people who were friends with queer people who had HIV AIDS, but just they were existing during that time, during that like like horrible, horrible time period. And I really feel like that was something that they never really taught me about or delved deeper in on. And they were more of like, oh, well, if you're growing up and you're straight, then you don't have to worry about it. But obviously I wasn't straight. I wasn't cis. And I just never really knew anything about it. And I feel like that that was more of a taboo topic. Uh-huh. Um, so where the rubber meets the road for our listeners, like if it's not a concern or a consideration for them, say right now, like they just want to have sex and it's like, you know, whatever. Um, what are your thoughts on, on having, uh, allowing us all to broach that topic in a um, safe manner where it's no longer taboo? Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, I just think having open, honest conversations about these things is yeah. what's, like, the healthiest and the most... With a therapist or friends or support groups or what, what how, what's worked for you and what hasn't? Um, for me, well, th- therapy has never worked for me, so I can't advise on that. Th- I know therapy's worked for some people, but just for me personally, I've never found a therapist that I really jive with very well. Um, but for me, it's always been, like with friends and with reading a lot of things like online and stuff but there's always misinformation there's always things like so you have to learn 
from you have to be able to not only learn from sources but you have to be able to like critically analyze sources because I've read a lot of like misinformation That's a good point. yeah yeah I've read a lot of misinformation about sex or about consent or about safe sex including like within the BDSM community and it kind of makes me worry about people who find stuff on the internet or I've right. met people who I agree yeah I've met people who be discerning on the internet everybody <laughs> I've met people who their idea of a good time is definitely not my idea of a good time right. and you know sometimes you just have to be able to say like I'm not cool with this this isn't something that I want to do yeah. like and I think that that's so consensual yeah yeah like 100% yes, like that's all that's all I advocate for is if someone's not like enthusiastic and okay with what's happening and if I sense any sort of discomfort it's going to be a conversation I don't care if the moment has to stop so yeah. and I think that that's really important to have in a relationship too Mm -hmm. um, is just open, honest communication. And I feel like that's very, that can become taboo too sometimes is being honest about your feelings because you may upset other people or you might upset your partner or you might like not meet the, your own ideal like expectation. Yes. But I think that that's also something that we can kind of go in deeper on. Yeah. I'd like to touch base on that. Um, I know that, in relationships, sometimes somebody in the relationship is extremely sexually uh, active and really just desiring to go there. Um, and the other partner may not want to go there at all. And it's just not there for them right there. And I know that that is, has been such a huge um, factor for relationships completing, um, for upset, for why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't she love me? I don't understand. I want, you know, to be with them so bad. How come they don't want to be with me so bad? Blah, blah, all that. And what, what we can get present to on that is that at different times in our lives, we're in different energetically parts of our expression or our physical body. So, for example, somebody might be, you know, at their root core stimulation level at the root chakra level and very much desiring to stimulate their core and somebody else might be you know in their throat chakra or their vishuddha chakra and they're just not feeling it they're feeling something else and so if you are at that particular place where you're at the root chakra level and your partner isn't, that might help to alleviate and bring some understanding to, you know, it's not about you. It's about their life and their experience and their expression at that time. Um, and so to have an understanding for them. And again, the consensual, okay, well, let's talk about it. You don't want to do this. Well, what if I did that? And, you know, being in constant communication, clear communication is everything. Um, so, yeah, like that. Another topic I'd like to talk about around that is our bodies, our physical bodies. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of us were raised um, in the social climate to be ashamed of our, how we look. Like this very moment, how do you look? How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about your physical appearance? All right, take a moment to think about that. 
right? What comes up for you? Oh, well, my hips are a little wide or I could lose a little weight or, you know, my feet are big or I don't understand why, you know, my nose is so large or why one eye is more closed than the other, you know, all these things. And so we're taught by the social climate or all of the advertising, etc., to have shame about anything less than perfection or anything less than than who we are as our unique selves and so and that's um the shame of our beauty and so to take a moment now and just to acknowledge your own beauty just now as you are the perfection that you are and owning your beauty right now exactly how you are and letting go of any shame around your beauty i know for me a practice that assists me with that is to um, I started walking around my house naked. You know, I would close the blinds and just take off all my clothes and learn to be comfortable with my own body. You know, and it took a little something like one day I would, you know, take this off, my shirt. You know, next day I would take off, you know, my pants. And, you know, for some of us who have gender dysphoria, it can be uh, very challenging. You know, there's different, there's different levels of gender dysphoria. And so just honoring where you're at in your... Um, in your process and to have the courage to, to you could try that practice um, you know take off all your clothes and uh, bit by bit and just get used to being in your own beauty in your own home you know or in your own space and see how that feels for you um, it, it, it really shifted a lot for me um, anything for you on that topic Buns? No, I mean, I, I think you pretty much summed up everything. I mean, if anybody knows me in real life, they know I'm practically a nudist. All my friends have, like, seen me naked at one point or another. And, um, but like you were mentioning before, you know, people who struggle with gender dysphoria or body dysmorphia or anything like that, it can be a harrowing experience to try and accomplish something like that. And just know that mm -hmm. taking it one step at a time does not mean that you're, that, you're weak or anything like that or you know sometimes it's not even it doesn't even necessarily have to be like okay today I'm gonna take do like I'm gonna walk around without my shirt on it can just be like your first acknowledgement of like this is something that I struggle with that already is a big step like it's a great point they say all the time you know it's just a great admitting point. admitting is always the first step and yes. you know and but on the flip side of that not every transgender person has to have dysphoria or body dysmorphia in order to identify as transgender and I think that that was also to not to bring back my story but like to go back on my coming out story I sure I feel like that was also a very difficult aspect of my coming out was I never had any sort of like body dysphoria or anything like that I didn't wake up every day with the classic like trans um trans narrative of like I hate my right. body every second of every day like I was right. just like I like like I loved my body. I still love it. And it was like, I was very active. I was on the swim team. I did, I, I didn't do soccer. I was terrible at soccer, but I did volleyball. I did track. I did basketball. Like I did sports. Like I was a jock and I loved it. The more for me, like it was more of the social disconnect that I felt yes. where I had a very difficult time getting along with girls and I had a very difficult time trying to like fit in with girl groups and I definitely made more friends with guys and I, not to say that I didn't have any friends who were girls because I definitely did and I was very close with like one of them and I basically like grew up with her but 
it was much easier for me to get along with the guys. And guys would always make this comment of, like, they would be like, oh, even though you're a girl, you're, like, one of the guys. Which, yeah. obviously, now, in hindsight, I'm like, well, <laughs> under my, like, trans microscope, <laughs> right. I see. But, you know, it's... It's, that was a, another part of my coming out that was very difficult for me to understand where I fell on the binary or on the, non, on the non-binary, on the, any sort of, like, the spectrum, of the gender spectrum. Like, I just didn't feel any sort of disconnect with my physical being as much as I felt with my emotional mm-hmm. and mental being. Mm-hmm. And that can also become very um, disconcerting with some trans people is, which I feel is also another taboo topic is, yeah, is talking about the, like not having gender dysphoria, not having like body dysphoria or dysmorphia or anything like that, where, you know, there are certain aspects of me that I wish weren't like, you know, when I was younger growing up, I was more socialized to be confused about. Like I have yellow, like I have a yellow undertone and if I tried doing makeup, I couldn't because everything was like pink or blue based and nothing looked good on my skin, which obviously now as I'm older, I realize that's because that's what the makeup industry was like. But I didn't like that I had more of like a yellow undertone. I didn't like that I had hazel eyes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to be that like Aryan like beauty that right. I was socialized to want to be like especially the shame of your beauty right especially coming from a european household where it's more of this was something that was never really talked about but my mom would always say like oh isn't this person so gorgeous isn't this person pretty and it would always be like the same like white blonde hair blue eyes looking person and But then, of course, the people that I grew up around, I grew up in a large Vietnamese community. I grew up in a very large black community. I grew up in a very, very large, like, like, Latinx community. I wasn't around too many white people outside of my family. So for me, it was always like, I wish I had this or I wish I had that and blah, blah, blah. But it was never like, it was never like, I hate my breasts or I hate my vagina or I hate, like, my hips. So, like... I love that. That's so great. I mean, to break up that taboo about how it should be because you are trans, right? That fixed notion of, oh, I'm hyper-masculine now, and Uh, I should ride a motorcycle and carry a wrench. And, you know, that's what I loved about our group was people were like, you know what? I love makeup, and I like to do my brows, and I'm trans. I'm trans-masculine. Exactly. And I'm going to keep my breasts. Thank you. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I mean... I definitely am more of that, like, handyman sort of person, even though I still am very feminine when you yeah. see me, and I still am, like, very gay and very much a bottom, like, but I'm still very much like, oh, you need your plumbing fixed? Like, don't worry, hon, I'm, I'm right on over. I can, I can fix this. Like, you know, that, they used to always make fun of me, not, like, not in a malicious way, but, like, at my job, they would always talk about how even though I was, like, the gayest motherfucker they'd ever met, I was always there fixing everything, like, whether it was the machines broke, the, like, the computers were down, the systems were down, like, something wasn't where I was always the person that was fixing it, Mm. and they would always just joke about that, but then on the flip side, if I didn't want to do something, I'd be like, I'm not doing this, I'm gay. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. So... For the listeners, if there's any, if there are any taboo topics for you that we haven't covered today, you know, h- uncover them 
for yourself because if they're taboo for you, they're taboo. And there's there's healthiness in bringing things to the table, bringing things to the surface rather than keeping them hidden. There can only be sickness, disease, and hiding when we consider something taboo. Um, yeah, so. If, if I, I was going to say, if anybody yeah. thinks of a taboo topic and emails it in, we could always do like a part two, even if right. I'm not physically present, you know, That's there's great. technology. Yes. So. so that email again is beyondtrans at gmail.com without the E, B-Y-O-N-D-T-R-A-N-S at gmail.com. And again, this is the Beyond Trans podcast. So we're going to start to wrap it up here. And um, Buns, what I'd like to do is um, ask you a couple questions, and then we'll close with a visual visualization together that I like to do. Sure. So, you're standing at a bus stop, okay, and there's somebody next to you that is that you that you know them, you know them, and you know that they're trans. Um, what do you want? the people standing at the bus stop with you to most know about this person that they probably don't know? I mean, I'm not thinking of, like, a specific person in general, but if I were to be at a bus stop like this, I would rather people not focus on the physical aspects, whether or not they can identify if this person is trans or whether or not they're passing, but more of just seeing them as a full, fleshed-out, 3D human being who has a life, has a personality, has interests, has things going on in their life, has a past, has a future. And I would rather somebody focus on the personality aspect of someone rather than maybe more so, like, what they see immediately in that one instant because I feel like that's very much a thing that the trans community has to fight for all the time is to just be seen as human and be seen as a person rather than just to be physically seen. Yeah. So. Especially if you're not passing. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. Like like you were saying, especially if you're not passing, like, yeah. that's not, I don't think that that's anyone's concern, you know? Yeah. I don't, this isn't, this is someone at a bus stop. This is not, <laughs> this is, this is yes. not someone who yes. has to fight for their right to be alive every five seconds you know they're not there to be they're not there to be an encyclopedia for you well said and that's that's what beyond trans is beyond trans beyond the beyond just people human beings living our lives just like everybody else it's beautiful thank you all right, so we're going to just um, do a little meditation together right now, a visualization. So, <clears throat> Buns and our listeners, if you'll just close your eyes. And this is a visceral experience, so just close your eyes and get present to your body. And imagine being on the earth where there's no more such thing as coming out for anybody. Coming out is a no thing. Like we all are just who we are. So just breathe that in. No such thing as coming out. What does that feel like in your body? Feel it. And your friends, imagine your friends sitting around you. What is it like? No such thing as coming out anymore. <laughs> 
on the planet for anybody. What are you talking about? What is it like? What does it feel like? What is your mindset? Okay, and then imagine a, the entire city, no such thing is coming out. The city that you live in, it's a no thing, doesn't matter anymore. People are just living their lives, accepting. And then the state that you live in, coming out as a no thing. The country that you live in, coming out as a no thing. What does that feel like? And then the entire planet, coming out as a no thing anymore. And gender as a no thing anymore. What is that like? What does it feel like for you right now in this moment? Just breathe that in and anchor it in the here and now. What is the world like? What does it feel like? What do you desire to do? Who do you desire to be? What's important to you now? What do you love? And what's important to your heart? And just anchoring that here in the here and now. Bringing it from the future, anchoring it in the here and now. And as you're ready, gently opening your eyes coming back to the here and now. How was that for you? Did you feel anything or experience anything? Or anything you'd like to share around that? Anything you'd like to share around that? Um, I mean, very relaxing, you know. Just imagining a world where there could be a sense of, like, euphoric relaxation about existing. It's very nice. So when we get caught up in our day-to-day -day and we're at the cash register waiting to check out and we're in line and whatever, just imagine that. Bring, that. bring that to your present moment. You can do that. It's possible. Thank you, Buns, for joining us on today's Beyond Trans podcast. Thank you for, thank you for the invitation. I had a good time. Good. Okay. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Just know that your listening is an act of participation and making a difference. And do feel free to email us and know that we love you and we appreciate you. Let's say we love you on three, one, two, three. We, we love, love you. you. <laughs> <laughs> and you are valid and you are here for a reason. And you very, very much matter. Okay? And if you need support, get it. Get support. You're loved and appreciated. Thank you for listening. This is Beyond Trans.